The hosts, Rob Velazzi and Jason Dominique, and their guests are not financial advisors unless otherwise disclaimed. The content on Today at Ember is for educational and entertainment purposes only and merely cite their own personal opinions. Know that all investments involve some form of risk. Please work with an investment professional. And now, on to today's episode with Today at Ember. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of Today at Amber. Again, you can watch us live every week. That's Thursdays at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can catch us at uh, twitch.tv slash join Ember. That's join E-M-B-R. Or you can always catch us on the subsequent podcast, whether that's Spotify, Apple Podcasts. You can catch us on all of those platforms. This is a weekly series brought to you by The Ember Project. I am your host and communications director, Rob Velazzi, and I'm joined by my co-host, Jason Dominique. Jason, how are you? Hey, Rob. I'm doing amazing. What a great week. Second show already. Feels like uh, we're, we're getting into it. I, I agree. Last week was pretty positive. Community was pretty happy to hear from us. They thought it was professional. They had some great feedback. I was pretty impressed by it ourselves, actually. For our first shot out, I think we're doing pretty well. Yeah, most definitely. So I think that this week is a great opportunity for us to um, lean on and lean in also some really, really important topics. Uh, and I just can't wait to you know speak with everyone about them. Of course. Yeah, we have a great show planned for you guys today. We're going to get into some tokenomics. We're going to break that down for you. We're going to give you an actual private sale date, how the private sale is going to work. We're going to have a broader discussion about the Binance Smart Chain, BSC, the sector as a a whole. We're also going to bust into our marketing plans, uh, who we're bringing on to expand our marketing strategy and how we're going to launch that marketing strategy. We're also going to kind of get into the new website a bit, our checker, give you a little update on that. Before we begin, though, a lot of people last week, Jason, you know, they're a little familiar with me. They've, they've seen me in, in the Discord chat that I'm you know, head of communications. I help with the communications strategy. I help with overall strategy. But Jason, a lot of people aren't familiar about you and, and what you do with the company. Everyone's aware of Andrew and him being the CEO. He's taking a bit of a step back, but people want to know more about you, Jay. Uh, what do you want to know, Rob? No, I'm well, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> What's your sign? <laughs> I like long walks. I don't know. I'm just kidding. Well, I mean, I've 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 been around for quite some time. Uh, Join in in the early times of the project, and my role as as a chief strategy officer is, you know, encompasses a lot of things. Most of it, I would have to say, since it's still early. In, in the project's development is to really make sure that a lot of things are cohesive and that are ready uh, and that are thought through in regards to execution and that we think about everything. Uh, my experience as an entrepreneur for the last 20 years really helps with preventing or knowing about potential yeah, pitfalls. Antici- anticipating things before they happen, always being you know, proactive and not reactionary. All of this to say that, you know, sometimes people will say strategy is is sort of a generic title, but it, it's it's part of everything that we do. And and my role is, is really, yeah, make sure that everything is thought through and that it fits in in our 
global strategy and in terms of priorities as well. So there's a lot of defining there and execution, but more on this eventually once we start uh, operating. Out. Yeah, exactly. Because right now there's there's so many foundational things to be done. You know, from from legal to accounting to setting up things as simple as as domains and etc. I mean, I'm I'm not charge of in charge of everything, but these are all one offs that we need to make sure that they're done. Uh, I think I think it's also important too to understand the way that that Ember works internally. Even though my my title might be you know you know head of communications and, and yours might be you know with strategy, uh, but it, because it's such a collaborative effort with everyone that's on our core team, uh, then and everyone's always included. That a lot of times that that our responsibilities go beyond our scope in our description and our title. And whether someone might be, you know, part of design, whether it's Jamie who's part of design, or or someone like Dean, or or even Andrew who's the CEO, everyone has an impact on everything that we do. And being collaborative yeah. is, is really shown what we're able to do. And someone, uh, unfortunately, Eli, who was supposed to be here with us today, uh, who was our special guest, who's going to be here next week to talk about tokenomics. We're going to go over that a bit with you guys today, but he's going to give you a further breakdown. But he's more involved with, with not just tokenomics, but he even helped us, you know, setting up things like the OBS or, you know, he's, you know, his hobbies are into music production and, and sound engineering to make sure these, these presentations that we do for you guys come out top quality and world-class. And I think by having a, a core team that goes beyond their scope of their title and then more of a collaborative effort, I think it shows in everything we do. You couldn't have said it better. Uh, at the end of the day, and, and this is what most people will tell you, you know, the person that will take out the, the rubbish or anything like that sometimes or most often is going to be you know, the CEO or something like that. So, I mean, the, the, the wide-ranging responsibilities that we have as executives on on this team are are not specifically defined in what you would normally find out there uh, as your job description because we just have to do it all right now and it doesn't matter if it's part of your job description or not if it needs to be done you just you just have to do it and based on our experience in curriculums sometimes someone even though it's not part of his core responsibility right now, but if he's done it and if he's good at it, then there's no reason to 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 outsource or to. There's a, there's a great anecdote actually about that about JFK uh, when he was uh, visiting uh, NASA during the moon race, and he walked up to a janitor who was sweeping the floors and he asked the janitor, you know, what do you do here? And the janitor said, I'm sending a man to the moon. You know that's that's what it's about. It's a team. It's a team effort from all of us. All no matter big or small, what their job is, it's we're all trying to get to launch. Uh, and, and yeah, that's that's so true. Uh, and I've I've heard of uh, that. And thanks for uh, bringing it up. But yeah, it's it's absolutely true. And that's also the same kind of spirit that we have behind Ember in regards to having everybody involved. Uh, and that trickles down to the whole team. And sometimes there's some pretty important decisions that are taken and they're taken fast, but they're taken collaboratively, co- collaboratively. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> English so, is not Jason's first language. Just so everyone knows guys, he's, he's a French speaking yeah. native. <laughs> uh, so, so sometimes some words, they just don't come out right. But, <laughs> but yeah, some, sometimes we just, in, in our Slack, we have these great, you know, plugins and apps and we just drop polls and, and it's just democratic, you know, and it, it works really well. 
everybody's involved at every level. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And one of the things that we are proud of too as well is if anyone here uh, has not had an opportunity to check out the website, joinember.com, joinembr.com. The checker is up and running. Uh, the checker's up there. If you folks who are part of the legacy project that want to check their wallet, and the wallet address you'll be using is your Binance Smart Chain wallet, your BSC wallet. That's the one that you're going to put in there. And if for some reason you feel we've heard this question prior, I know people in Telegram ask this question consistently, and a big shout out to to all of the mods out there in Telegram, Biscuit, BSAN. You guys are doing a killer job. The question is, is I was part of the legacy project. I'm not being I'm not being shown on uh, on there as someone who's who's able to be eligible for that. What do I do? And there is there is an option there for you guys to click. Go on there to the checker. It's pretty much you're uh, um, stating your case to to the core team and let us know because we want everyone to have that opportunity to to be a part of what we're doing here at Ember because as we're going to be showing you shortly, the tokenomics are are pretty impressive. Yep. Uh, also, quick update on the actual performance of that checker, just so everybody understands that these pre-sales that are coming, a lot of people have interest in them. We're uh, really looking into thousands right now that have checked uh, their uh, wallet and that have been approved uh, as uh, whitelisted for the private pre-sale. Yeah, there's some few strategies that we're going to be putting out in the next couple of days uh, towards next week to make sure that everybody that could be whitelisted in that private pre-sale that have the pre-established right, if they've been uh, part of the legacy project, uh, that they do become aware. So we're going to have a few targeted uh, ads we're going to run as well uh, with... um, A no no man left behind strategy. Absolutely. And this, uh, this, this also means that we're going to send out a newsletter to everyone that had initially created an account on, on the ecosystem. And we have some things that are coming up with the app. Can't confirm anything, but in the next couple of days, couple of weeks, there should be a, a pretty massive update. Hopefully everyone will have their eyes on it. Yeah, that, that literally is what our strategy is. It's no man left behind. We're going to do as much possible to help reach have for, for us to reach out personally when it when it comes to getting traction to bring them aboard part of it also too is is the community I mean, people that are already uh, migrated over here to, to us at amber we're going to be doing some things for you as well to give you motivation uh, some some incentives should say yeah to, to bring <laughs> to bring over some some people when, when it comes to private pre of uh, the private pre-sale also we're going to be talking about tokenomics here in a bit, but there is a finite cap on that. There is a sense of urgency. We talk about this internally. There's been some discussions on on what that level of that cap is, and we'll be showing that. But we believe that we'll be smashing those expectations, and there may be a possibility that if some people are not you know, staying tuned to Today at Ember or part of our socials or, or seeing us every day or maybe not discussing with the community, might have might miss out and then they might have to jump in on the public pre-sale which will have some there'll be some benefits there as well but there's- this is the, the this is so true because one important uh, note to to get out is because you've been whitelisted it's it's not a guaranteed access in the sense that yeah if you go on the day of and there's still there's still some allocations left in that pre-sale yeah you can you can buy uh some tokens but 
ultimately, if you just think that you just get this reserved amount for you by being whitelisted, this is just not the case. So, no, it's a it's, it's a privilege, not a right. Absolutely. Uh, so this is quite important to uh, to remember, and we have some people left, right, and center that that are reaching out to us, and um, and and that'll be a good segue into some questions that we've had later uh, in regards to tokenomics. But some people are are very interested in buying in some large amounts, like large. I'm saying like large amounts, and unfortunately, this is not something that we can let happen at least initially in the in the two pre-sell stages but remember that if you've been whitelisted this is this is just a privilege to get in it's not something you have automatically uh you know in terms of allocations for 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 tokens mm-hmm. absolutely and and that kind of segues us to our to our next thing is when it comes to our strategies when it comes to how we're going to be reaching out past our our community yeah um I mean, last week we we had this this question, and we didn't want it to reveal too much uh, because we were still in the final vetting stages for uh, onboarding the marketing aspect of our business. And we're we're super stoked that we found uh, what what is called essentially a, a boutique agency. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the reason why we went for a small agency rather than an individual or a group of individual is that we've identified in, in our team that we're super strong in many areas. We're s- strong in product. We're you know strong in design. We're strong in community. We're strong in strategy and, you know, all the executive level. We have tons of experience, but everything that had to do with the marketing aspect of what we're envisioning in all aspects of our value proposition. And not just, not just to also, and again, we talked about this last week also, is not just marketing strategy as a sense of how do we spend our marketing dollars or what publications do we go for? That's, that's not what we're really, really talking about here. We want to bring in a boutique that has the ability to discuss with us from the ground up, not only our value proposition, but the language and the the way we want to go about having that discussion with a broader audience that makes sense that defines really what we're all about. Jason, you were telling us telling when we were having a conversation in the meeting about bringing them on board is that not only was the interview process sort of you talking to them and seeing about bringing them on, they were interviewing you. They were saying, you know, we don't we only work with the best of the best. You know, we need to get real down and deep about really what is your organization about? What are you guys offering? You know, is this something we even can can offer for you guys? Can we even bring the value to you that you guys need? I was surprised to to see how serious they were taking this and this this agency i mean we we vetted quite a lot of them uh from really senior individuals that have been leading very successful uh careers but what really made this small uh, you know boutique agency stand out is the fact that first they um their portfolio is mainly forbes 100 companies so this is not nothing you know a lot of people say well Forbes 500 or Fortune, whatever. Or the Inc. 5000 I mean, or something. The, <laughs> yeah, I mean, this this is the top of the top. And this agency plays with A players. 
And at the end of the day, if us, we want to be playing at that level, we need to find team, you know, team members that are playing at that level. And that agency wants to do the same. They have a brand to nourish and to make sure that it's, it's consistent and to do so. Reputations at stake as well. Exactly. Uh, So it's, it's a small agency out of New York and they need to have very clear insight into the crypto space. So that was a non-negotiable and we're happy to say that, yeah, uh, they know a lot about uh, crypto space and they've current, they're currently working on massive projects and they're, you know, uh, helping them getting their message out. And I think this is where it's important. This is what we've mentioned last week, Rob, is before we look into anything that has to do with marketing strategy, we really need to focus on brand strategy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, even the even the the gentleman we were part was part of that boutique who was, um, I guess his title was sort of like a copywriter. That he had, we had a twenty five minute discussion that almost turned almost turned into a billable hour on just on a language board, a language board on on what language do we want to use? How what what is the vernacular that we want to be descript and how we get that message out? Because once that's defined, then everything else falls into place. And just to be able to spend that level of, of in-depth discussion and, and breakdown of something just as, as a language. I mean, this, you know, some people have a vision board when it comes to sales. It's a big thing that's in, in the sales world um, is envisioning, you know, kind of having that vision board up there to, to motivate you. But his was on a level of, you know, what, what is the vernacular? What are the words we want to use? What are the most powerful words? Do we want to have more techno babble that's, that's, that's can be kind of misconstrued and misunderstood? Or, or are you guys more about having a friendly user experience and, and how can we meet in the middle? And that's that's just the copywriter that we were speaking to. <laughs> yeah, this this is absolutely satisfying to hear because we need to collaborate and we want to collaborate with people that see brand as something that is is top priority. And and for us, it's been the case for quite some time. And your marketing strategy will, will be fueled by your brand strategy. And that's how you go about and execute your mission. Once that brand strategy is, is well-scoped and well-defined, uh, at the end of the day, that's, that's the why you do things. So if we go out and we start positioning ourselves on features and benefit, well, this is a space that moves so fast. Not to say that we're not moving fast enough, but what is to say that another project comes out and they, they, they release one feature or one benefit that's better than us. And if we've acquired everyone based on features and benefits, they're just going to move on to the next project mm-hmm. because they don't have any real ties with the why and, and our brand. And this is where we want to invest ourselves. We want to invest ourselves in something that will be uh, there for ages, uh, and no matter what type of features and benefits that we add on our products and services, that the why will always stay the same. And we've, you know, Rob and I have done a lot of work in that area of the business, but we felt that even though we did a good job at it, it wasn't world class. 
And I think this is something that we need to recognize as a team. At the end of the day, if we can bring in someone that can do this job better than us at the level that we're looking for, then we need to bring this person on. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think we're the benefit of of because you know Jason and I have spent so much work on that, and everyone in the team, in all honesty, Andrew, all of us, but us being able to articulate our dream and our motivations properly to a boutique agency like this one. So they're able to, we're able to convey our concepts and our ideas to them with, with the proper amount of passion. Then they can do things like break down the, the, the language board and, and have that strategy kind of, you know, put together because they've, they're having it articulated from us in a way that they're able to feel our passion, feel what we're, what we're really about because and honestly, this this boutique does not take on all clients. In fact, and we're going to talk about this here in a minute. It's our next subject. We can segue into this in a second is what's going on in this space. They have a lot of experience in the crypto sector, but they also see a lot of, you know, a lot of the crap that's that's being involved in the sector and, and what's going on in, that, in, in this in this whole when it comes to the Binance Smart Chain, just the crypto space in general. And they're like, look, you know, why why you? We know we have the experience, we have the know-how. Why are you guys? Yeah, uh, that that was <clears throat> going back to what you just said earlier about them vetting us more than sort of us vetting them. It struck a chord when you know they were he as the person you know leading the agency and the founder. He was asking all those questions. I mean, that's that's really exciting. You know, you guys are working in the crypto space and everything, but how are you, you know, truly unique? Because at the end of the day, and everyone you know listening will will have this this opinion is that there's hundreds of launch pads out there, and every single day there's new ones. If, if you look at swaps, if you look at you know any of those NFT platforms, at the end of the day, they're all the same. You know, are they truly really better than the other ones? Probably not. There's no innovation. The answer. Well, it goes beyond innovation. I think that. It goes beyond innovation in the sense that this is a moment where you're a, you're 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 witnessing a a it's sort of the dot com time of the crypto time where there is so many projects right now that it's hard to really decide which one is worthy of. I mean, we're we're seeing it right now in terms of the races of layer ones. You know, who's going to win? Is it ETH that's going to win? Is it Bitcoin that's going to win? Is it Solana that's going to win? Is it you know whichever protocol? It's just off to the races. You just don't know which one is going to become the number one. And currently in our space, if you look at the Binance Smart Chain, unfortunately, we mentioned this a little bit last week, and I think we're taking it upon us to lead by example, but unfortunately it has this stigma right now in regards to the less legit projects, let's say. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I, can, I can even go as far as that some people, you know, and this was even a conversation we've had with them, is that it can seem like a, a meme coin casino. And it's so overly saturated, and in this this meme boy attitude that's that's been so uh, pervasive in that entire space, that you know we can look at it and say you know hey this is this is this is unfortunate, but at the same time I we can also look at this as an opportunity, you know that that what separates us because in all reality I mean unless there's something I'm missing there is not a true utility token 
with this level of, of tokenomics and security backing and, and all the, the, the testing we've done on the back end, there's been these smart contracts that have developed from the ground up that's all proprietary technology that's, on the, that's in this space. It does, I don't, I'm aware that it even exists. For sure. And and you know what? It goes beyond that, because if you look at the latest news, and that's just a couple of days ago, uh, CZ just announced that he was allocating about a billion dollars to make the Binance Smart Chain better. And better means, uh, you know, allocations in that fund for new projects, new technology, new everything. I think this is really good for us in the sense that there's still commitment and there is still innovation that is foreseen in that space. And it's, it's obviously cyclical. You know, there was this craze in 2007 and, you know, now, uh, not 2007, but 2017. Mm-hmm. And now in 2021, uh, the spring, uh, there was a lot of things happening as well. Uh, and we feel that one of the main reasons why you know, most of these projects are not sustainable. It's because the tokenomics are not thought through. You know, they don't consider the tokenomics as something that is part of the business model. If you they know. even have a business model. <laughs> you well, know, they do have one. So. They have an agenda. That's for sure. They yeah. have an agenda. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Our goal in regards to tokenomics, like the whole why we spend so much time, and when I say we spend so much time, Eli is not here to talk about it, but we're going to run, as Rob said earlier, we're going to run a an AMA in the next couple of days uh, and have him answer absolutely all of your questions. But we've been working on this for months. Like literally, he's been working day in, day out on the tokenomics. I think that the two things we need to remember with the word tokenomics is that, yes, there is a token, but there's the mix part, which is, economics that's the reason why mm. it's tokenomics there's an economic angle to this all and when we first started looking at how can we design tokenomics not just by benchmarking it and looking at what others are doing but really thinking well what do we want to do with this business and how do we want to make it sustainable long term and we have we basically have to bring on board a, a, an economist. Yeah, yeah, an economist, absolutely, of course. And, and and we had to have consultants on there as well. And when it came to to, to the testing of it, uh, and and you guys are a little more aware of this than how this breaks down more than I do, and Eli especially of the team that was behind when it came to development of it. Because I see a lot of people in, you know, a lot of this is about our job, and that's what this today at Ember is about: is educating our community. And a lot of people really don't understand when they mean a real utility token. And we're going to break down the actual tokenomics here in a second. There's been a sneak preview of it on our website at joinember.com that you can take a look at as well. But when we are talking about tokenomics, we're not talking about reflections. We're not talking about taxes that have come in and out and how that operates on, 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 uh, on the token itself. Do you, want to, do you want to kind of break that down a little bit, Jason, about when it comes to reflections and why that's really not a sustainable model for anyone except for either the developers or the people that it got in on like the first two days of pre-sale? Well, I mean, that doesn't exist anywhere else than on the, you know, the BSC, you know, reflections. Like, how is this like a thing? You know, it's only a thing because 
it's only a thing because it's 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 almost it's a fad that's that's somehow caught on and I won't mention to to one of the the major ones that's kind of been perpetuating this idea of reflections. Uh, and when it comes with the people that seem to benefit the most are the so-called dev wallet, which, you know, that's kind of up to interpretation what that dev wallet actually means. The large uh, amount of whales that were able to purchase at an, as an unlimited amount from the beginning of the presale. And then there's uh, and then the rest of it is just dumped into marketing. And the people that benefit most are, are those people. And they're the yeah. ones that, 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 that get to cash out in the end, leaving everyone else holding the bag. Yeah, I mean, if, if anyone out there truly believes that that type of tokenomics that is based on taxes in and taxes out is a sustainable model, it, it isn't. It isn't for multiple reasons because that model only st- strives on when there's transactions. And basically, why would there be transactions other than speculative ones? Think about how, you know, just like Rob was was saying a couple seconds ago, most people that will benefit the most is the ones that will have the biggest amount of tokens by coming in very early and then taking advantage of every single one that comes afterwards in regards to the reflections. Some people are making crazy amounts of of reflections just because they're holding a lot. But once the major sort of all-time high has passed by, it I mean all of them all of them there's no ex, like there there's is no, no exception. exceptions. There's no exception to this rule. It just I mean if you arrive after you're just it's it's there's no second all-time high, and it's very, very hard, and we've seen it. How can you build utility around a tokenomics model where you're taxed to come in and taxed to come out? You're taxed to swap. You're taxed pretty much everywhere. It's as if you'd be going to your local store, and you'd be using this currency to buy a pack of gum or whatever, and you'd be taxed every single time 10%. That's just not sustainable, and it's not. Especially, it's just especially if you want a utility. I mean, if you have plans on really building an ecosystem, and 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 whether that's NFT marketplace, or whether that's building a launch pad, or whether even just to have an actual currency, nothing would operate that way. I mean, here here in the states, I mean, it's it's we have I'm familiar with those who are not in the United States here. Some states have a state income tax with a federal income tax, but literally businesses move thousands of miles over two or three percent, or even a sales tax of a couple of pennies that make a difference because over long term, that's millions, if not billions, of dollars in revenue that that that's going you know into the pockets of Uncle Sam. And imagine for a ten percent, where no matter whatever your transaction is, that there's that there's no write-off that there's that there's no way to exclude yourself from that tax it's just a consistent on the basis and the people that are benefiting the most are the people that are holding the largest amount of the wallet in the end of the day at the, the end of the day and they're holding leverage over that project and you know that's something that, that that brings us back to how we are able to mitigate these kind of vulnerabilities uh, when it comes to our project and we talked about yesterday about our three proprietary smart contracts that are actually, as we speak, are being um, audited right now by Hacken. That audit has started. That's our proprietary technology. And that's when it comes to our vesting contract, when it comes to the vault, uh, when it comes to, if you, if you want to break those down there uh, a little bit more for us, Jason. 
we went through in <clears throat> in details how these smart contracts operate, but the reasons why we went ahead and, and created those smart contracts, it's based out of to, uh, out of the tokenomics and when and how to mitigate project, mitigate risk for us and for for the for all of our investors. That's exactly it. And so one of these contracts, as you know, is all about securing tokens once we're, we're you know we're we're launched. So that's the vesting part of things. Uh, the other one is the crowd sale. So the crowd sale is about stages and defining certain uh, specificities in each of those stages. So one of the vulnerabilities uh, that everybody are aware about is, you know, whales coming in and buying a huge amount of the available tokens yeah, on, on the market. All the circulation, yeah. Mm-hmm. So one of the things is that when, when you have one of these contracts, you can define what would be the cap per wallet address. So in our case, and you're going to be able to see this in, in our documentation, but in our case, we decided to fix that at $50,000 U.S., that can be obviously in BNB's worth. So on the day uh, that will be reflected in BNB, depending on, on how much it's worth. But so that's number one. So that stopped the potential of having someone that owns more than a certain percentage of the circulating supply. And the vault contract is for, you know, the anti-dump, you know, I'm sorry for using that word, but a lot of people are short-minded or short-sighted and are, are really thinking more about making a quick buck, and we're not about this. So in regards to tokenomics, that was also part of main feature, we could say, yeah, that's that a, needed that's, to be out there. Yeah, absolutely. And this is proprietary built from the ground up from something that we've developed, that we can have it's potentially a business model, as we mentioned last week, could even be licensed if we wanted to even take that route. And, and that also feeds back into these, you know, mitigating risk, whether that's, you know, preventing whales from having leverage over the token or preventing short-sighted investors from being able to get in at a very generous discount from the beginning and then immediately pulling out as soon as it goes to public to take a quick buck. These are the things that we talked about to the marketing uh, boutique agency that, that we were having discussions with them about, you know, who is our potential investor you know who's our uh, p- potential customer base you know what kind of savvy investor are we looking for we want to have someone that wants to be educated that's a as long-term investment that wants to be involved in a project and they can see the value of of these contracts and all of the products that we do world-class in the future and jason and i had this conversation when we were bringing this up before about these products when when you know people were talking about it like when when facebook first started you know there was a lot of turmoil in the social media space. You know, MySpace was top of its game. There was some other competitors, I guess you can call it, that were in that space. But why was Facebook so successful? It wasn't because they invented social media. It wasn't even because that they had the nicest homepage. In all honesty, people, when they first saw that coming from somewhere like MySpace, was like, this is so boring. But what made it powerful was their algorithm. That proprietary technology of the algorithm, the stuff that they built from the ground up that had this uncanny ability to match you up with friends from high school that, that you totally forgot about. You're like, how does this know who I am? You know, I totally forgot about this guy. Okay, I want to be one more on this platform. And that's how you have to look at these smart contracts that we've developed that are proprietary, that something that separates us from everything else that's in this BSC space. 
These are things that you're not going to see see anywhere else besides our utility. And these are licensed intellectual property that can that can be licensed in the future. Yeah, I mean your your example can be you know more spot on. There's also everybody knows about Google. Google's the same thing. You know they did not invent the search engine. You know AltaVista had it. Uh, you know Web there's crawler. Netscape that had it. You know, so many had it, um, and but when they came in, they saw a better way of doing and offering a better experience. And it's not to say that there isn't any launchpad out there. There isn't any all of those things, but we think we can, through better tokenomics, through better uh, interaction between different smart contracts, and also through better user experience, we can offer something that hasn't been seen uh, right now in the space. Ultimately, this this really leads us into. We don't want to repeat ourselves too much, but the vesting, the vesting. A lot of people ask, uh, you know, about, you know, what's the advantage of of vesting, and why should I come in early and have my tokens vested, where I can come in, you know, on day one and do whatever I want with my tokens. So the, the do we want to get information into vesting that, lengths? Do we want to get into the lengths of? of yeah, exactly. Things? That's that's what I was about to say. So. So basically, uh, number one is if you get in the private pre-sale, you're looking at a nine-month vesting period. Yeah, I should bring up this um, this for us here. We we want to be considered as a serious project, and what I mean by serious project uh, is we need to make sure that we're being. Uh, accepted and recognized in all of the different exchanges that it becomes something that can actually be in in a dollar potentially maybe in the tens of dollars or or hundreds of dollars if you look at projects like uh, Solana or any other big projects they start in the two decimal sell price and then make their way through time obviously you know in years to come they make their way into the one dollar, ten dollar, a hundred dollar, uh, as as the market cap raises and there's more in supply, you know, uh, et cetera. So yeah, as circulation is released too as well, because uh, that that'll you know that in the beginning of the way that uh, we're launching our and Eli might be here for next week to kind of give you a better idea of how this works is there's always a limited supply of circulation and then as time goes on their circulation is released you know more more and more out there to the public with this level of tokenomics when you see these levels of where the public pre-sales at you know 0.0333 and 0.0444 now only receiving a generous discount than the people that are buying in at the public sale that these kind of tokenomics give us the ability to have it actually listed on real exchanges like a Binance. You know, people all the time, when we make that joke all the time, what exchanges you have it listed on, stuff like KuCoin and Dcoin is great too, but long term, if you want to put something on Binance, I'm, if anyone's telling you otherwise, when it comes to some of these other projects that have 14 zeros in front of it with these crazy reflections amounts, they're never getting listed on a legitimate exchange. That's just not happening. And that's something that we thought about too from when building this up, building this from the ground up is we're not thinking just one year, six months in the future. We're thinking five, 10 years from now and, and how it's going to be beneficial to us and the, and the investors. Yeah, it's especially as well, the, um, the attractability in regards to the initial sale price. If you look at different markets, whether it's European, Asian or American, 
some markets behave differently on your uh, sale price. And so knowing that our demographics are very well spread out around the world, but are concentrated in, in certain areas, it was quite important to also make sure that we're very attractable to that dem- demographic on launch day. So that was mm-hmm. that was something important. But to go back on on that vesting part is is something that we felt was quite important. And what are the advantages versus coming in on day one? Obviously, there's a discount. But also, if you're coming in on one of these pre-sales, your your mining cannot be about an early an early exit. The way as well that the vesting is going to behave with the uh, vault contract is, and this is a few questions that we've been getting uh, in um, in our different socials is, so it's not like you're going to buy for let's say hypothetically, you buy for five thousand dollars worth of ember, and that five thousand worth of ember will be locked for nine months. This is absolutely not the case. It's it's um, it's a progressive. Uh, vesting, meaning that on day one, you'll have, when you buy them, you'll have 10% of it that once it goes on launch and there's liquidity on PancakeSwap, you'll be able to trade it if you want. So that 10% is absolutely yours. And as the month go by, every single month, you'll be able to withdraw as they get released from the vault, as, as the vesting goes on, You'll be able to, you'll get a reminder, hey, by the way, on this date, X amount of tokens are available for you to withdraw. And you can go on our website, connect your wallet, and withdraw those tokens. They'll land on your personal wallet. And then you can decide to do whatever you want with it, again, because they're your tokens. And as the month go by, you'll get more and more of that amount that you bought so that at the end of the nine months, you'll own 100%. Well, you've owned them from day one but you'll own them in, you'll have them displayed in your, uh, whether it's trust, whether it's MetaMask. Exactly. So it's all built and it's ready to go. Yeah, and that's not, that's, that's not, just so you guys understand too, just to be clear, because I know some people, you know, our words are very important in how exactly we say them here when it comes to stuff like this, because I know everyone's hanging on every one of our words, is it's the amount, there's not a dollar amount, it's the amount of actual tokens that you own. So whatever you bought at the initial pub, the pre-sale, whatever that amount in actual tokens comes out to, whether it's you know hundreds of thousands, etc., then as the months go on, since it's a nine-month vesting period, I think it comes out to, I think, what, like 10.1% uh, per month that's released to you. you. You do have to physically, though, go from our website, withdraw it into your personal wallet, and then they're available for you to trade, to sell, sit on, and, and eventually stake uh, in the future. Exactly. So if, I think, Rob, it's, I think it's, uh, it's good for us since the, um, <clears throat> the slide is up. We're going to obviously describe every single allocation. Um, do you want to start with the first one, which is the initial liquidity pool? Yeah, so before I do want to jump on that too as well, um, do, uh, have this been decided when the public or the pre-sale, public pre-sale and private pre-sale, are they the same vesting lengths? Sorry, I forgot to. Yeah, because there is, there, is a tra- well. there is a trade-off because the, the, the trade-off is to look at is that the larger, uh, more generous of a discount, the longer your vesting period. 
So the public pre-sale will have a six months vesting. So that's the the difference. On day one, there's absolutely no vesting. If you buy it on PancakeSwap or you get it to swap with between anyone, there's there's no vesting. It's nothing is hard coded in uh, our smart contract for uh, the token itself. So that's absolutely not the case. And they'll be able to trade them instantly after being purchased uh, or kept forever as as they wish. But also, it's important to know that I think the next point is is the team vesting. There's an allocation for the team as well, but that will vest just as long as the private pre-sale. So that's a nine-month uh, vesting schedule for uh, the whole team. Yeah, in, in the allocation for the team, we're basically looking at 7.9% of the total uh, supply yes. equals at about 23.7 million embers, uh, and that will be vested. Another point that I need to mention, and I'm not sure if we covered this last week in regards to the vault contract, anything that vests uh, that is locked in the vault contract it's important to know all these wallets, whether it's the team vesting, whether it's uh, the liquidity pool, whether it's the uh, the marketing wallet, the, the development wallet. wallet, all of these wallets are locked behind an admin panel. And that admin panel requires for anything to happen, whether it's moving, withdrawing or anything like that, it requires that all the founders or the identified people to be signatory. So it's a multi-sig vault sort of contract. And right now, the four of us, uh, so myself, Eli, Andrew, and Will, are the uh, sole unique signatory for that. And it needs to be unanimous for anything to happen uh, with any of those wallets. So just so you know, it, it cannot happen that one of us decides to take some funds or move liquidity and just run off with it. This is just not going to happen. Uh, this is part of mitigating vulnerabilities and securities. And redundancies in place, absolutely. Yeah, governance, uh, I would say as well. Mm-hmm. And then when also too, so, when it comes to when it comes to the team part of it, which you mentioned that that percentage of the wallet, which in in mar- in the market today is actually a lot lower. Than a lot of other projects that what we've allocated for for the team, and this isn't just just kind of set out to everyone who's just a part of the project. I mean, to make sure that all of the team members can contribute all of their time to the project, uh, there 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 has been a proportion of the circulating supply that's stored in a vault, and that's vested over nine months. The difference, though, between this vesting when it comes to team members is that the vesting relies on um, key performance indicators, uh, KPI, basically milestones, and other metrics to make sure that the, because there's there's going to be expectations. You know, these are people are, that are generally, including myself, that are, you know, essentially employees. And, you know, they have to, there has to be expectations that are met, uh, a KPI for that to be there, for those, for those tokens to be, to be released to, to us, to someone like ourselves when it comes in the work that we're, that we're putting in. And there's also been some allocated as well for the entire percentage has not been allocated yet. It also allows for, for growth and other people that we want to bring a part of the project. Yep. So that's the reserve vesting. So reserve vesting, which allocates for about 5.1% of the total supply, 
results into uh, 15.3 million embers. This is for, as Rob is saying, is for anyone that we're looking to onboard in the future. You can see this as the employee equity pool in your normal startup, which your employee will come in. It will have some vesting on it as well. And essentially, uh, you're going to be looking at very small amounts uh, out of that 5.1 because we can't give 1% for every single person we you know, bring on board. These are going to be point. 0. 0.0 something uh, and this is quite classic you'll go on angel list and you look at a job opportunity in a startup and they'll tell you you know you'll have share from the equity pool that'll be around 0.03 percent and ultimately if you don't stay for your full four years we're talking about traditional startups because your vesting will be four years in a traditional startup it's not our case with us uh, because it moves so much faster but if you leave, it is the same with with us, you know, if, if you leave after three or four or five months, well, the rest of your vesting tokens as a team member will not vest any longer. And you're just not going to have access to those extra tokens because it wouldn't be fair for everyone else that are staying for the long run. This is very important for quality between team members. The same thing for me or Andrew, if Andrew leaves in three months, even if he has X amount of, of allocated tokens from the team vesting wallet, it's going to go back in the pool. It's going to go back in the reserve mm-hmm. because his vesting is nine months. So if he leaves in three months, he's, he's only going to have access to half of it. You know, this is a privilege that we have by starting this. You know, it's an opportunity, but ultimately nothing is gained. Everything is earned. Uh, and this applies to me, to Rob, to Jamie, to James, to everyone in the team that it's all about, yes, part of it is KPI, but longevity. You know, we want mm. to incentivize anyone that works on this project to stay long term. We don't want any turnarounds and we want to have people yeah, no around turnover. for yeah, the lowest attrition rate we could possibly have when it comes to, to our to our team. Yep. And just you so, guys, go ahead. I, I don't want to cut you off, buddy. Go ahead. No, I was just going to lead into the other, um, the other uh, allocated uh, wallets from uh, development. And well, before uh, before I do, I just want to really quickly yeah, too, um, just so you guys understand about the private uh, private and pu- public presale. Um, we can break down what's going on with our part of the wallets too. But just so you know, the tokenomics of Ember, you know, was carefully made to basically aim and achieve a sustainability and longevity, like he was just saying. So when it comes to the initial liquidity pool to make sure the Ember token is secured, this is a big thing also well when it comes to security, when it comes to sniping bots. Eli will be here next next week to kind of break this down a little bit further, um, and especially when it comes to bot attacks early on. 10% of all the existing tokens will fuel the initial liquid liquidity pool that's being deployed on PancakeSwap. It's going to provide enough room for day trading and acts basically as a security and buffer mechanism against you know market manipulations. When it comes to the private pre-sale, 15% of all the existing Ember tokens will be distributed among investors during the private pre-sale round. Whitelisted legacy token holders, they will have exclusive access to this round. Now, when we say exclusive, though, this is not just the legacy token holders previously. This, I do have to, and I, and I want to kind of put a fine point on this, is there is definitely a sense of urgency. We spoke about last week how we um, 
We've also talked to some people that deal directly with ICOs that have a lot of um, liquid uh, liquid assets to be able to jump into private presales. I know, Jason, you mentioned that last week a little bit. If you just want to touch on that just a second. Yeah, we've, we've mentioned it even earlier about the checker and people that want to come in heavy. And I feel, I mean, this, this is obviously just uh, a feeling. And I think that the community success team has this feeling as well is again can't say but i feel it's it's going to be a very very short private pre-sale so if you've been whitelisted i would recommend to be there uh and be ready when it it opens so you can uh, you know make sure that you have part of the uh, reserved allocation um, mm-hmm. for that pre-sale. Yeah, because once that 50% is filled, and then you still have an opportunity, though, to be involved because the public pre-sale, then at that point, it's 15% of all the existing Ember will be available for purchase by anyone at that point during the public pre-sale. So whether you're on the white list or whether you're part of the firm that we've that we've contacted that, that deals directly with people that, that buy into private uh, ICOs, um, at that point, you know, if you missed out on the first one, you'll still have an opportunity to get in on on, on the second round. It, although the je- the discount won't be as generous, but your vesting period will be much shorter, as we mentioned earlier. So that leads me into the marketing and uh, development wallet. One note that I wanted to add is the general how people perceive the development wallet, and again goes back to. For us to sort of lead by example and be this this entity that also educate. So our team, if you'll look at how it's so it's not just like the devs wallet. You know, a lot of people will say this is the devs wallet and yeah, that's not, it's not, it's not, it's not that's not our wallet. <laughs> like it's not the developer's wallet on our end. So that's point number one. Point number one is that it's not our wallet. So that's that's an, a misconception that travels in the BSC space is that the devs, it's short not for developers, it's short for development. It should be short for development. And meaning development is the operation of products and services to be developed. It's not necessarily like this is only allocated for uh, you know the devs work and engineers and in, in product, it's essentially all the operational funds uh, that we need to successfully deliver products and services. So anyone that has a salary essentially comes out of this wallet. So anyone that's on payroll once we launch, their salaries will come out of that wallet. That means the community people, the you know, the social media people, the bookkeeper, and, you know, the bookkeeper, pretty much anyone that's on retainer will come from that, you know, that wallet. And not to mention, so, of course, developers or economists or, you know, or whether it's, you know, another uh, someone else help building the smart contract, that's all coming out of that wallet. Yeah. And anything that has to do with brand and getting the word out. So marketing that comes out of the marketing wallet. So that's budget for getting the brand recognized and seen and understood, uh, making sure that we're acquiring new customers, that we're um, getting scaling. The proper, proper publicity. Yep. 
So these two wallets are the most important wallets of the project uh, because that's what's going to make it sustainable long term is that there's always going to be funds uh, available for us to pursue and to continue working on those products and services and making sure that even if we deliver the most world-class product and services without a marketing budget, we're not going to be able to get the word out. You know, this idea, this misconception of build it, you know, build it and they'll come. That that doesn't That's, happen. Yeah, that doesn't so, happen. <laughs> and, 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 and just to, just to even break it down a little bit for, for you a little bit more, when it comes to the marketing and development wallet, both of these tokens are stored in a vault. And these are unlocked over a very long period of time to minimize any market impact. These vest over you know years, not months. And when it comes to the marketing wallet, it's 5% of the total, uh, total su- supply. And the development wallet is, is 7% of the total supply. And Eli next week can kind of break you down the length of that vault. But I believe, I think it's somewhere like five years. Um, and it's broken over. There's certain points and cliffs just so we, so we can have access to it as well. So these are put into place that using our still proprietary smart contract. But these are done in a, in a manner that, that they're unlocked uh, over time to really minimize any market impact it has over you know the actual price of the token itself. Yeah, and reminding everyone that whatever is available to be withdrawn from those specific wallet needs to be approved again through that admin console by multi-sigs. So it's not like someone can go shopping for whatever mm-hmm. uh, with the, the business credit card and it's connected to that wallet and just goes crazy you know that's not going to happen so as amounts are being released from that wallet they're being sent through different hoops and loops because crypto is complicated to get the fiat that's another subject but they they're released to be basically deposited in the business bank's account that we currently have with mercury which is one of the best you know online banking for startups so yeah they're uh, these wallets are there to fund operations, and there'll be transpa- there'll be transparency, uh, you know, across the board when it comes to to all of these things as well. This is what we're showing you guys now is really just the first step into tokenomics. We don't even have our professional here, Eli, really, who's going to really break it down for you and give you minute details on all of this, how it breaks down. And I think the next the next point of it too, we're running a little long here because we you know this has been exciting just to talk about with Jason and I. It comes to liquidity pool staking. Uh, this is something, and I do you know want to put a caveat. This is something that's not ready tomorrow. It's not ready after launch. There's you know just like any of our products and, and services that we launch. You know even though we can have them developed quickly, there's a lot of legal and regulatory you know uh, uh, hurdles that we have to kind of jump through to make sure that they that they're working properly. But it is exciting, and this is something. And I do also want to make clear your tokens that are in your vault contract that are still being vested. Once staking is released, those cannot be used for staking until they are released from the vault contract. Then you have the option to do so. We'll break that down more, but liquidity pool staking has right now 35% of the Ember total token supply will be stored in a staking reward pool. And this rewards the token holders with passive income incomes as well as, which is most important, it attracts liquidity farmers with high LP staking rewards, which further stabilizing the price through stability in the LP. So this is a great way to attract, 
you know, some very high-end people with money to spend when it comes to LP staking. It also to stabilizes our price and gives us a, a broader, to be attractive for, for more of a broader audience where this is something they look at specifically. Yeah. And as you can see, it's a huge amount. So this huge amount is is very important for stabilizing the price. So the more liquidity farmers that come in, which the attraction will be no doubt the high LP staking uh, rewards that are being yeah, given high out. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. So this 35% equals to 105 million Ember tokens. And we're really, really looking forward to uh, enabling uh, staking. Uh, we're working extremely hard on this and we're moving along uh, fast. The second thing that we need to, I mean, one part of the things we need to, to cover is is the fact that there is no tax. So there is no tax whatsoever on uh, Ember, whether it's when you're buying or when you're, yeah. Yeah, that's a big thing too as well. As we mentioned before, when it comes to reflections, no reflections, no tax. There obviously, when, 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 when swapping from one token to another, there's a gas tax involved with, with, with any, in, in, any transaction in, in, the, in the crypto world. But it's going to be such a minute, you know, such a minute level that, that you'll hardly even notice. We're talking maybe you know, fractions of a penny on a dollar when it comes to our gas tax. But you can't expect reflections. This has been developed from the ground up. Um, with with utility in mind, and these numbers were not pulled. Uh, and I know that Jason talked about this before. We're not pulled out of the air. I mean, we were talked with consultants and economists and our and, and our CTO about what will make this the most beneficial for our investors, and that will attract based on these numbers, based on what's happened in the sector previously that's that's had the most growth of how to have these tokenomics laid out. And yeah. I think it's been a lot of hard work to get here, and I and I think it's very. It's paid off. It's paid. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's, it's it's a very compelling. Yeah. It's a compelling investment. Yeah, if, I mean, you you look at this, and uh, it, it it's it speaks to the time that we've put into it. Everything is thought through, and I remember the early days when we started looking for some people that could help us design those tokenomics and. Funny enough, and this is a small small story that I'm going to tell everyone. Yeah, I don't no. think anyone knows about this, but we ended up on, in a meeting with a firm in New York, uh, where one of their key, you know, board members that you know help with uh, with some of the projects uh, was a Nobel Prize winner in economics, and their major clients, they're on retainer with PayPal, basically as the lead economic uh, player for PayPal, and their retainer is $75,000 a week. So <laughs> I don't need to tell you that we did not retain their services, but <laughs> but I mean, this this is a real thing. What I want to say is that Running economics of a fintech, you know, at the end of the day, this is this is pure fintech, you know, tokenomics, uh, is is serious. You can't just go out there and think you know how you're going to be able to do it. People have masters and doctorates. They're doctor, yeah, exactly on economics. Mm -hmm. These guys have 10, 15, 20 years. They've written papers, so we can't pretend that we know better because we don't. <laughs> we just don't. 
And that's and that's what we brought into t- where we and bring this conversation full circle. Is we're, we're running a little over time here, and unfortunately, guys, we see some of your questions that you guys were going to ask, and I think we've answered a lot of these, and we'll get to more of them next week as well. But to bring it full circle is that when we were talking, even when it came to our the boutique uh, marketing organization that we were going to bring on board, as Jason was saying, is that you know we're really good at a certain amount of things, but. Jack of, Jack of all trades is master of none. So, you know, we're not uh, afraid to have, uh, you know, every stone, you know, no stone unturned when it comes to looking at the world-class professionals that can help bring our vision to light. And whether that's through our marketing organization we're going to be using, whether it's through Economist, and we haven't even talked about the legal entity we're going to be working with in the future. That's a conversation for another day. All of these things are world-class. And we... The great thing about you know that, that our management team and, and our core team is that we have the professionalism and the insight to know when to ask for help and who is qualified to be able to deliver on, on the services we need. Yep. What we need to talk about is obviously the date. We said last week that it would be the week of the 18th, and we've settled on a date that you need to put in your calendar. So save the date. It's going to be the 24th. We're getting ready for that date, and that'll be a momentous date for all of us. Really, really excited to open up the floodgates and have everyone be part of this journey with us. Yeah, that's yeah. that's that's October twenty fourth. That is ten days from now. That is Sunday, the twenty fourth. So we're gonna have a, obviously another one of these today. Embers and AMA before that. Again, make sure you have your BSC wallet and are using the checker. If for some reason you feel that you're not part of the whitelist and need to be, we put the tools necessary on our website. That's joinember.com, where you can obviously check that and, and have the tools necessary to be able to state your case to us. Do you feel that somehow you're supposed to be on there and you're not? We're also going to be offering some other cool little incentives to be able to 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 generate a lot of buzz for the whitelist to happen uh i mean for the for the for the private pre-sale that's going to happen and and make sure you guys are ready like i said set your calendar tell the community talk to them there is that date when that cap is hit that's it a smart contract has been being audited by hacking is which is uh, you know in the way when it comes to all of our smart contracts is they're ironclad so there's no if ands or buts when when we've hit those caps we we've hit those caps and 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 the vesting contract and the, and the crowd sale contracts are are ironclad so make sure you're staying tuned to us here today at Ember and all of our socials across the board so that that wraps it up for this week at today at Ember hopefully you've enjoyed learning about our tokenomics and you know all the thought and the process that we've put into it. Hopefully uh, next week you're going to be there. It's only 10 days from now. And next week as well at Today at Ember, I think we can safely say that it's going to be a very interesting one. Lots of surprises. We can consider this as sort of a launch event. We'll probably have a few guests and uh, we're really looking forward to having you uh, again next week. Yeah, absolutely. And all the documents here that you've been seeing will be available to you on all of our socials. We're also going to have an update to our website. Again, that's joinember.com. For all of you that are listening on our podcast, whether it's Spotify, Apple, etc., you can always catch us live every Thursday on Twitch. That's twitch.tv slash joinember, E-M-B-R, and that's Thursdays, 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I'm your host, Rob Velazzi, along with Jason Dominique, and we hope to see you guys next week. 
All right, see you guys.